things can be different. We don't have to sing. So, you know, I was thinking that we should all bring percussion instruments. <laughs> uh, you know, why not? We'd have to bring our own, but, you know, why not have percussion worship? Not, not oh, <laughs> uh, <I> quite like <laughs> tambourine. <laughs> Cajons and djembes and, yeah, mar- maracas. Anyway, uh, for the pure and shining one, Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement of my heart and soul, and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord, you read my heart like an open book. And you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, deep and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. You formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvellously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place, carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I'd even seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment you are thinking of me, how precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I awake each morning, you're still with me. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there is any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways. The path that brings me back to you. How was that? Do you know what passage it was? Yeah, Psalm 139. But the the odds are it's not the words you're familiar with. That was the Passion Translation. Uh, so far, I think it's only in the, they've only done the New Testament and Psalms. Uh, and you can get it on Bible Gateway. It's, it's free. That's how I got that. So I'm just reading it off the website. Uh, Proverbs 21 verse 2 says, A person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. Uh, 
the title of this evening is Recalibrate. So last time, two weeks ago, was Reset. And people have talked about lockdown and the whole situation has been a reset and recalibration. Uh, I've got to do the sort of scientific definition thing, I'm afraid. I've, you know, I'm contractually bound to do that. What does recalibrate mean? Uh, it is sort of a scientific thing. Uh, it's typically to do with measurement instruments, say. So, you know, on my phone, I've got a sound pressure level meter app. Uh, I used to use it a lot for work. Uh, I use it sometimes uh, at church. If I think things are getting too loud, the meter tells me what the actual sound pressure is. Whether it's If it goes north of 85 decibels, then you should be wearing ear protection. Okay? Are you hearing that? Uh, but if my sound meter isn't calibrated then the number it's given me could well be wrong. So if it's saying 85, where actually the sound level is at 95 dB, we're going to cause harm to people. Okay? It's, and you'll know about it because it'll be really painful. But uh, So you have to get a benchmark thing and measure against that. Just like scales, when you're weighing flour to make bread or whatever... Uh, in Paris, there is the reference kilogram. And that is the standard by which all scales and weights and measures throughout the metric world are taken. You calibrate against that. And if you calibrate against the wrong thing, you're almost worse off than, worse off than not measuring at all because you're getting bad information. So you think something's all right, and it's not. The thing is, with us as humans, uh, what do we need to recalibrate? I'm sorry, that might be really noisy on the recording. Uh, for me, the thing that's been coming up to me a lot is the mind versus the heart. So I'm going to go into that uh, out of interest on that, what would you say you normally calibrate your life against? Is it the mind or the heart? Don't say yes. <laughs> Anyone going to venture an answer? Interesting. Okay. Well, let, let's see where we go. Some of, for, I think for some of you, what I'm going to say may seem entirely sensible and natural and you go, yeah. Whereas for me, I've never heard anyone say it. So I've been thinking this is different. Okay. Uh, I'm going to jump around a bit. For the last few hundred years, since the Enlightenment, intellectual, mental capacity has been uh, prized and valued, I would say, almost above all other things. So 
you know, that brought about the whole thing of, of knowledge and uh, analysis and study and that mental rigour to dig into something and assess it, does it stack up mentally? And I think that that is very much borne out in an awful lot of our culture. It's borne out, honestly, I think, in the way we do church. It's certainly borne out in society in the way that, and I apologise, teachers, for this. We teach knowledge. Almost all of our education is about imparting knowledge. It's about putting things in people's heads, information, maybe about the way stuff works. Uh, but you're taught what to think. You're taught information and you're examined on it. And, you know, if you're good at that sort of thing, you get good marks, you get a good degree, whatever. I have no idea anymore what Planck's constant is for or what the value of it is. I can tell you that the, an electron volt is 1.6 times 10 to the minus 19 coulombs. And at university that probably served me well. I have no idea what use that is to me today. But that's what I had to learn. It was all that stuff. Uh, and consequently I think that you know, the way we teach and the way we read, everything is like, not everything, a lot of things are like textbooks to us. That's the way we read stuff. There were, I think there were clues to us in our language. You know, we talk about, uh, I'm talking off the top of my head. You can live in your head. And I think a lot of us do. I know that I'm certainly very guilty and conscious of doing that, of living inside my head rather than in the present moment of what's going on. We talk about the idea that, you know, we talk about this idea that, and we can even preach about that, but surely life isn't ideas. We also talk that someone might wear their heart on their sleeve. Uh, we have a heart-to-heart conversation with somebody. You certainly know if you've got a broken heart. And we dwell on something. Uh, and I don't think anybody has ever said they've got a fire in their mind. There's a massive difference between the mind and the heart. Uh, I'm not saying one is better, but I think that the the age we've been in has been the age of the mind. And I'm questioning whether that's the right thing to calibrate against. As I pondered this and turned it over and churned it and thought about it in different ways, I felt like the mind can be very flighty and floaty. And we have ideas that they you can literally feel like they're dotted around and that they can be wispy and you've got to get them and you can really float around in your mind and go, ooh. 
without settling on anything. It, it's like air. I feel like the mind, if you looked at it in terms of elements, the mind is like air. Whereas the heart is like a deep well. Whereas the mind can go upwards, the heart goes down and has depth and is still and peaceful. Now, peace can come over the mind. You know, when we possess that deep peace, it affects our mind as well. I feel like ideas can war in the mind. We can think that we think something and then another idea will come along and we'll go, oh, oh no, 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 that, that, that's right. And that will knock the other idea over. And then we go, oh, but what about this? And somebody will say something to us and that idea will go and knock this other one. And you can start to feel like your head's been knocked around by different ideas. But the, the process of uh, thinking with the heart is a very different thing. A few weeks ago, uh, Vic and I had been talking with Chris and Laurie, and we were talking about the future, you know, Vicky's future, my future, the, the whole nine yards. Uh, it was a heart to heart. But I could almost feel at the time that sometimes I feel like when I'm thinking, it's almost like diff- I can feel things in different parts of my head, like I'm thinking here. Or sometimes, you know, you feel like you're thinking here or here. But as we talked, and I have to be honest, it was really slow. It was one of those things where, for myself, I mainly spent most of the time looking out of the window, just staring into space, and every now and again, probably every few minutes, would say something. Because things were just uh, not fermenting, you know, we, we say cogitating or... I was ruminating on these things and I literally felt like I was thinking that thoughts weren't here, but I was slowing down and thinking my thoughts were in my heart. Because we were chewing over deep stuff uh, of what we want to do with our lives of what is important and it's not like planning a holiday where we go right and you get a website and you go this flight da 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 thoughts spreadsheet need a spreadsheet of course decision made wallop it's not like that it wasn't like that at all and you know it still isn't uh, it was, and you know, wow, it's slow. To realize what's going on in your heart and to share it with somebody else takes a lot of time. Very little gets done in an hour, say. And I'm sure you all know this. You've had those heart to hearts, whether it's a, about a future or your child or, 
a relationship. And it can be painful. Something occurred to me today is that that depth of churning things over and that heart to heart is within and brings depth to a relationship. Not necessarily a human relationship, but that reflection, that uh, going, you know, tapping into that deep well of what's inside us and what's inside other people. <clears throat> you sometimes meet people and, you know, you have lots of acquaintances, but occasionally you click with somebody and you have a deeper connection with them. And it's somehow because you're tapping into something slower, deeper, more fundamental, and you're just able to communicate that with them. Because you're working on that heart level with them. But yet we spend most of our time, or I do, some of you said you don't, in all this fluff of the mind, and we calibrate against that. So where does this come into it? I think as I've got older, I've got much stronger opinions about it. It's not a textbook. I've heard a lot of talks. I've probably read a lot of stuff that acts as if it is. It is not a textbook. A book that takes three chapters to talk about the creation of the world and humankind is not a textbook. But it is a reflection of the one it talks about. And it's a reflection, it's a mirror for us to calibrate against of what we're like. By saying it's not a textbook, I'm not saying it's not true. But I'm saying it's not a scientific, mental... So I read Psalm 139 for you from the Passion Translation because the words were different. And by shifting that to words you're not familiar with, you hear it differently because it reflects something else. If I were to spiel out to you a passage that you're familiar with in the words that you know, you're probably going to have the thing, I don't know if you do, I can only say I do. I go, yeah, I know that. I know that. I know those words. And I might as well have not bothered saying them because... It's just gone, poof, yep, Psalm 139, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Fine, I've heard that before, thanks very much. But knowing the words is very different from what's under the surface. Uh, And I think that a practical example of that, that we're all very aware of at the moment, is, say, with racism. You can know all the right words, 
And you can spout all the right words, and a lot of people do, but it doesn't reveal what's actually going on inside. But as a culture, we calibrate against that. So, and before I say this, I do understand the difference and why this is offensive. But, for example, with the words, if somebody with a slip of the mind or the tongue uses the term coloured instead of of colour, they could lose their job, especially a politician. Whereas the politician that knows all the right words and phrases, but in their heart has an issue with people who are different, they're fine. No newspaper headlines about them. But what's going on in their heart is very different. But they've learned through the mind to control what comes out of their mouth and what they're putting forward. The depth of the heart is what really comes out, but it takes time to see it, to experience it. So, in terms of the mind, I think, actually, most people don't think enough. Uh, So I'm not saying that the mind is secondary. Romans 12, and here I'm going to try and remember the exact words that you're probably familiar with. Uh, So, starting at verse 2 or 3, but from I might have to go right from the start of the chapter to make sure I get it. So, therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercy, I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. Amen. The words and the sentiment, and they're the NIV words. I've got a few passages here. And have I got the one I want? This is one of my favourite passages. And again, I think you'll know where it's from. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. I'm going to come back to that. Then you will win favour and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. And on it goes. I had a quick look earlier today, a quick search, which also Bible Gateway is very handy for. Uh, heart appears in Proverbs 63 times. I didn't search for mind in there. But it's constantly addressing what's going on in your heart. And also a few weeks ago, Vic and I were talking, the, the whole thing of the tablet of the heart 
came as a picture to me. I think I'd always thought of it as if I'm trying to scratch on the walls here. I don't know why. I think I was thinking of stone tablets. Whereas the tablet of the heart is made of wax. I don't know if it's a kid's thing or I vaguely remember, you know, instead of a, a chalk tablet, you know, a scratch board thing, that you can get a wax, thin layer of beeswax on a tablet and you write in it. The tablet of the heart is like that. It's soft. And the Lord writes on it. That's one of the big things that I have been thinking a lot about lately. And I'm just trying to find what the other passage was. Yeah, I haven't got it up properly. The other thing that I think, certainly for me, I don't know if it's for everyone, is so there's been the whole thing of the mind and the heart but it, I know that for myself the next period is going to be a practical time now whether that's universal or not I, I can't say but what I did feel preparing this was that uh, you know, the Lord says that things are to be done now uh, you know in Proverbs I'm sorry I've lost myself because I thought I'd written this out (laughs) this is also I didn't mean to do this from the Passion Translation but here it is Yeah. If you co-sign a loan for an acquaintance and guarantee his debt, you'll be sorry that you ever did. You'll be trapped by your promise and legally bound by the agreement. So listen carefully to my advice. Quickly get out of it if you possibly can. Swallow your pride, get over your embarrassment and go and tell your friend you want to, you want your name off that contract. Don't put it off. Don't rest until you get it done. Rescue yourself from future pain and be free from it once and for all. You'll be so relieved that you did. When you're feeling lazy, come and learn a lesson from this tale of the tiny ant. Yes, all you lazy bones, come and learn. Come and learn from the example of the ant and enter into wisdom. The ants have no chief, no boss, no manager. No one has to tell them what to do. You'll see them working and toiling all summer long, stockpiling their food in preparation for winter. So wake up, sleepyhead. How long will you lie there? When will you wake up and get out of bed? If you keep nodding off and thinking, I'll do it later, or say to yourself, I'll just sit back a while and take it easy, just watch how the future unfolds. So, we're looking at reset, recalibration of what the future may bring. Obviously, the future is only changed or affected by what we do now. So for me, the recalibration is to the heart. 
What can we actually do with that dough? So, I'm going to I'm going to read uh, a bit from Proverbs four when I find it again, uh, and then maybe you could play play something. Uh, and a suggestion for you is if you have a Bible, because I didn't prepare to get one up on screen. Yeah, if you've got a device or whatever is to dwell on a psalm or a chunk of Proverbs. If you haven't got, say, a device that allows you to access stuff, say, in a different translation, certainly at home what I'd suggest is something like Psalm 23, but in a different translation. Because we all know, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. When it comes at you with different words, it's a different experience. Uh, other things you may want to look at in the NIV they're probably less familiar I've written down Psalm 97 or Proverbs 4 okay so you could reflect on those here's a section from Proverbs 4 and a horrible feeling I'm in the wrong translation yeah My child, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil.